The team had a day off on Tuesday before they resume camp tomorrow morning, Wednesday, inside the Coliseum. It'll be their fourth time in their first five practice sessions. So we're going to review a couple of different position groups. And I want to throw out the question about rushing the field. That's what's coming up next on Locked On USC. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thanks for making Locked on USC your first listen. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening wherever you download your podcast, we're free and we appreciate your support. If you are watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Go ahead and give me some feedback. Let us know how you like the show and tell a friend. Uh, Again, without you, I'm just wasting my time. This show is all about you, the fans, and that's why we're doing it. All right, so the team had Tuesday off. They uh, they went, what, four days straight um, from the opening of fall camp, which was Friday morning on campus. And then their next three sessions were at the Coliseum. Uh, they had off Tuesday, and they'll pick up again Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. back at the Coliseum for their fourth attempt uh, out of five. Curious. Um, typically most practices are take place over there on uh, Howard Jones, Brian Kennedy field, uh, on campus. And after this, uh, practice at the Coliseum, that's where they will finish the rest of fall camp. So, but I don't know, it, it was kind of curious that Lincoln, um, decided to start the new era this way. Um, usually it's, it's more spread out. Uh, where, the, where the team will show up over on at the Coliseum for the practices. So, again, there's a lot of new faces on the team, and maybe he's trying to get them um, acclimated with their new surroundings as quickly as possible, uh, not just the players, coaches too. Uh, it's also a good time. I, I think the day off probably came at the perfect time, as we told you on our last episode, uh, Rehab Island uh, had a population explosion uh, with a bunch of different bumps and bruises. So we'll see. Um, we'll see who's ready to join the fray again Wednesday morning. Uh, Coach Riley, um, he one of the first things, not one of the first things, he was quoted after one of the uh, practices uh, that it's a fist fight. Every day you wake up and you get ready to fight again. Um, And then he continued that while the daily execution of plays and assignments are important, uh, they're going to be graded. The players are going to be graded first and foremost after every practice by quote unquote, their fight. And they should evaluate themselves after each practice on quote unquote, their fight. So what does that mean? In my mind, that means don't worry about losing a rep if you're going one-on-one or, you know, when uh, the team is, you know, offense versus defense. Don't worry about that. You know, the coaches are looking for, you know, are you going to get up back off the ground and and win the next one? Um, Are you just going to accept losing? uh, (laughs) Accepting 
a loss is never acceptable. Coaches want to see um, how much you want to win, not how much you want to lose. So um, part of also, you know, getting up and fighting is, you know, I, I was talking about the injuries. You know, the coaches want to see, you know, can you fight through those bumps and bruises? There's a difference between playing with pain and playing with an injury. Uh, the coaches want to see who can play with pain. Uh, so one of those players who was who joined Rehab Island uh, for yesterday's practice, we weren't there over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, so I can't tell you uh, if he was there sooner. But one was Shane Lee and the transfer from Alabama, middle linebacker. Um, if you're aware of his background, you know, he had injury problems when he was with the uh, Crimson Tide. He had a strong freshman season, but after that, um, you know, injuries kept him on the sidelines. So, you know, is this, are they just holding him out for precautionary reasons to make sure he's healthy and ready to go when the season comes along? Or does, you know, is this, again, just another uh, thing in the line of, Shane Lee, oh, he's injured again. And this is something, you know, USC fans USC fans are going to have to get used to. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's more of he just got a little ding, dinged up over the weekend and he needed a day off. He'll be ready to go again uh, Wednesday when the team starts fall camp up. Uh, something else that was noticeable, I Touched on it in yesterday's episode, but uh, Lincoln Riley was asked, you know, why Corey Foreman wasn't at practice uh, Monday evening. So uh, the question is, is how many more previous obligations uh, does Corey Foreman have to finish? Uh, because the last time was on when they opened camp Friday morning. And that was an early uh, practice session. They started at 7 a.m. Well, Monday's practice at the Coliseum started at 6.30 p.m. He wasn't there for any of the practice whatsoever, and it went till 9.15. So uh, I guess the question is, you know, is how many more obligations does Corey Foreman need to finish up before he's ready to seize the moment, uh, because that that moment is closing quickly for him. Uh, there's other players who are going that the coaching staff is going to have no other choice but to play ahead of him if if Corey isn't going to be a, isn't if he's not available to practice and and earn his spot. You know, Romello Height already opened up eyes when he showed up in the spring. Um, Will Solo. Solomon Tulial Pupu, uh, is he going to play inside? Is he going to be at that rush end? A lot of stuff, you know, obviously things are really fluid right now, this early in fall camp, but Corey Foreman needs to be there and he needs to be that guy. He was the number one recruit, uh, defensive recruit in the country when he came out of, came out of high school. And, uh, you know, at the USC meet and greet media day, he spoke about, you know, this, how this is, he's ready to turn a new page and now it's his time. Well, we'll see. He's got to be out there to make it happen.
You can bet he wants to be out there. And you can also um, head on over to betonline.net because they're the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for your odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. So head on over to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, so in in a previous episode, um, I gave a, a letter grade for the quarterback and the offensive line position groups. Well, I'm going to hopscotch back here, and I got a couple of defensive grades. I'm going to start with the safeties. Uh, they get an A grade, uh, and mo- largely in part because they have Kalen Bullock, uh, who will be the starting free safety. Freshman All-American. Hopefully he'll be able to avoid any type of sophomore slump that uh, some college players have been known to experience. Even happens in the professional ranks. They have a great rookie season, and then that sophomore second-year campaign rolls along, and, you know, other teams adjust. So uh, I don't see that happening with Kalen. Um, in fact, Kalen raises everyone's around him. That's how good of a player he is. Uh, Kalen has also become much more confident in himself. When uh, when We RSC spoke with him, Eric McKinney had a chance to sit down at the meet and greet, and you know, Caleb said uh, that he's more confident in him in himself more comfortable to go out there and just make a tackle without second-guessing, without thinking about getting hurt. Um, and he attributes that to putting on more weight. It helps. It helped out a lot. When uh, when Kalen arrived, his nickname was Sticks. Um, 170 pounds um, on a good day when he's soaking wet. <laughs> well, he's added... They say he's added at least 20 pounds. I mean, he, he does look like he's added on some good weight. So he's probably closer to 190 now. But he's maintained that athleticism. I mentioned it on uh, the show yesterday. Um, made a really nice athletic uh, one-handed grab at the back of the end zone during warm-ups. Uh, Kalen played wide receiver in high school as well. So... Um, Kalen is going to be a big part of why the secondary um, has a strong has a strong season uh, on the defensive side of the ball. The other starter with Kalen is more than likely uh, that's going to be Xavier Alford. Oh, one more thing on uh, on Kalen Bullock. The defensive coaches, they pulled him aside during the offseason and they uh, they kind of instructed him that they wanted him to be more of a leader. And for anybody who has been shy about public speaking, they know that speaking up, let alone talking in front of other people, 
you know that's if that doesn't come naturally that could be that could be difficult that could be challenging and Kalen Kalen admitted that that at first that he said that didn't fit me um, I wasn't the guy to, to just talk to give the team a motivate to give to give the team motivational speeches I always go out there and just try and work and not try and say too much well um, his teammates can uh, can back up Kalen's words with that. Um, players from Jordan Addison, uh, Malcolm Epps, uh, these guys have already seen enough of 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 Kalen during practice making plays. Caleb Williams talked about it at media day as well. So uh, Kalen Bullock raises the bar, raises the game for the safety. He's going to wear number seven. He's going to be another great one. Xavier Alford will be the starting safety. Um, he also told us he's seeing time at nickel, uh, which is, you know, he, he, he'll be a big nickel. Uh, Max Williams, though, will more than likely be your starting nickel. He's got super human um, recovery abilities. Anybody who knows Max Williams' uh, history, he... He suffered two uh, torn ligaments in his knees, and he has come back, and he is ready to play, and he's healthy, faster, stronger than ever. Uh, so anybody who wants to take over the starting nickel spot, you're going to have to fight uh, for that for that opportunity. Guarantee you, nobody fights harder than Max Williams. Uh, Fabian Ross will be another guy who will be in the rotation at nickel as well. Now, the reason why I gave the safety position group an A grade, one, because it's talented, and I'm going to go over some more names here, but because it's got a lot of depth. It could absorb, if there are injuries, knock on wood, there won't be. But if there are, this is the position group that can absorb it the best. Uh, you've got Bryson Shaw, the transfer who came over from Ohio State. Got a lot of experience, a lot of starting experience, so that's going to lend well. Uh, Jalen Smith, um, who was pressed into action as a freshman last year, still the youngest guy on the team. He was he was playing, he was starting as a 17-year-old late in the season. I think he turned 18 at some point in December last year, which means he's still 18 in August of 2022. Um, so again, uh, Jalen Smith, uh, you brought over the transfer Latrell McCutcheon from Oklahoma. He's a guy who can cross train uh, inside at safety at nickel. You'll probably see him at cornerback as well. A couple of other big safeties, Zamarian Gordon, six, they list him at six, two, 200. I, I think I mentioned it. He could pass for a linebacker. He looks closer to six, two, two twenty now. Much closer to that Taylor Mays mold. Um, definitely strong safety guy. Anthony Beavers. Um, you look at him, he, he's kind of cut that. You, again, I'm just doing body comparisons here. Uh, but he reminds you of a Troy Palomalu when you see his body style. Again, just a sophomore. <clears throat> you got Micah Kroom, graduate. Um, Britton Allen. 
if he's healthy, uh, again, another physical six foot, six foot one, 200 pounder, USC can have a physical presence at that safety position. Uh, we're going to stick with the defensive backs uh, with the letter grades. I'm going to give the cornerbacks a B. And I I was hesitant to go straight B. I, I was thinking about even going B minus. But I, I'm going to B, and I, here's my rationale. So Makai Blackman, the transfer from Colorado, seems to have one, one side of the field locked down as a starter. Sierra Wright, the uh, freshman, is, again, he, he seems to be getting paired up with, with Blackman uh, when we're looking at certain drills when the team breaks down uh, before we're kicked out of practice. Then you brought over Jacoby Covington, another transfer from University of Washington who, start, who saw starting time. Is he going to be a safety? Um, I think he's going to be a cornerback. Another big, rangy guy. And then you got uh, the freshman, Damani Jackson. You've got the two guys returning from last year who saw playing time. Um, Josh Jackson, Joshua Jackson and Prophet Brown. Um, if those guys continue to develop the way they, they did from last year, uh, it's going to make Dante Williams' job much easier. And again, Dante just gets to focus on the DBs this year. And specifically, just with the cornerbacks, the defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, uh, he is your, he'll be spending most of the time coaching up the safeties. That's his specialty. Um, and, you know, I didn't even get to talk about Zion Branch. Uh, he's not going to be able to play this year. But if he was healthy, again, the safeties. That group goes from an A maybe to an A+. Plus. Not because Zion has done anything yet at the college level, uh, but he already has a college-ready body. He was a five-star recruit, and he's got an NFL pedigree. Uh, his uncle Cliff was just, elect, was just indoctrinated into the NFL Hall of Fame this past weekend. So USC safeties are in good hands. The secondary is in, is in good shape overall. So there are my letter grades for the secondary. Um, the, I, I think I mentioned Anthony, Anthony Beaver's name in the past. He's one of those surprise players where I look to have a breakout season uh, backing up at strong safety. Because, I, again, I, I think in the beginning, your three starting safeties, you're going to have Kalen Bullock at free, Zavian Alford at strong safety, and playing inside at nickel. Max Williams. Okay. I'm going to talk about this question in this. It's called rushing the field. When is it allowed? Well, at USC, it's never allowed. You know, there are certain teams that rush the field and there are certain teams that the field gets rushed on. USC is in the latter. Um, I've watched USC. I watched opposing fans rush the field when USC travels to their stadium. That's where it should happen. 
I am not a fan of watching USC fans rush the field after victory. Again, that should never happen in my opinion. Um, <laughs> I've noticed that it's always it always tends to be the younger crowd that wants to be a part of the celebration, joining uh, joining the field after a big win. You know, I get it. You know, they got a, a lot of passion. They want to want to be part of it. And the guys that they're rushing the field to hang out and celebrate with, you know, they they go to class with these guys. Um, they hang out at parties. I understand it. Nevertheless, um, being a part of a blue blood program comes responsibilities. And that means as a fan as well, if you win a game as a Trojan fan and you're at home, even if you know you're up you upset a team, you don't rush the field. Look, um, it's been a weird time for USC football fans, especially the, the students and the younger generation. They've seen, uh, I don't want to say more losing than winning, but um, it's been pretty close to, uh, God, is it, I, Chris, I think Chris Arledge pulled up the numbers. Well, no, but I'm going to back away from that. It was, it was a different thing. Anyways. USC fans want to see the team win. So the only time I can even see USC fans, I can see myself supporting USC fans rushing the field is when they're ending an 11 game winless streak against Notre Dame. That happened. And it's the only time I'm willing to set aside tradition and break the, bend the rules. So, uh, Trojan fans and the student body can rush the field. Thank you, Mark Cusano, for batting down that pass and ending that winless streak. Um, I don't even support USC fans rushing the field when they ended that eight-game losing streak to that other team across town, UCLA. Um, and and the re here's my reason. When you do that, you're validating that program. You're saying that they are on equal footing with USC football. They're not, ever. And USC fans, you need to understand that, especially this younger generation. Look, I've been on the road. I've seen fans rush the field. I've seen it happen in Corvallis. It's to be expected. I've seen it happen in Pullman, Washington. Again, it's to be expected. I've seen it happen in Berkeley when you when they beat USC in triple overtime in that triple overtime game. It's to be expected. US should USC fans rush the field in Pasadena this year if they beat UCLA after that butt whooping they took at home in the Coliseum, sixty-two to thirty-three. The answer is no. Look, the Rose Bowl isn't USC's home field technically; it's their home away from home. I mean, they've spent enough time there on New Year's Day winning the Rose Bowl. Um, I would, I don't, I wouldn't say I would be embarrassed if they rushed the field, but it's beneath USC fan. You don't do it. So even if you have to wait till USC comes back home or the Coliseum to play UCLA, or even this year when they host Notre Dame, uh, should they win? 
Do not rush the field. Act like you've been there before. Because you have. You're USC. You know, when you join the Big Ten, you know, when Ohio State comes out here, when Michigan comes out here, you beat these teams before. You don't need to remind them by rushing the field. Let's not be let's not be that guy. That's that's something UCLA does. You know, I I still remember back in 2007 standing up in the herd and giving the Stanford team a standing ovation as they left the field. That was that John David Booty game when uh, USC was upset. They were a 41 team, 41 point favorite, I believe, and uh, they ended up losing that game. That was the year when, and I, I think I talked about this on another episode, when the LSU game actually came to a stop when they announced the score from that USC Stanford game. And the crowd was so loud that they had to stop the action while the LSU fans were celebrating because USC was number one at the time. And with that loss, it bumped LSU up and it gave them a better opportunity to uh, play in the BCS championship game. And as we know, they got that opportunity. So, again, that's the impact that USC has. They are a blue blood. USC fans, you never rush the field. I gave you one instance where it would be acceptable, and I don't anticipate USC ever having another 11-game winless streak against the Irish. They better not. Not with Lincoln Riley as the head coach. So there you go. All right, we'll be back with another episode. Uh, So until then, everyone, you know the score. Fight on. And thanks for watching and making Locked on USC your first listen every day. When you're done here, head on over to the Locked on Network. You got Locked on Pac-12 with Spencer McLaughlin. He'll give you all your news and notes on the Pac-12 in 30 minutes or less. Nate Dickinson is your pack, is your locked on Big Ten. And once again, when you're done with those guys, wearesc.com. We've got all your news and notes and VIP information that I'm not going to give you for free here on Locked On USC. Plus, we've got a subscription special. Ten bucks for the year. That's right. Not even a dollar a month. Go check it out. Fight on, everybody.